0: Howdy, (laughs) y'all. I know howdy has an Old West kind of feel to it, but I've always been a howdy guy. I kind of want to bring it back to prominence, frankly. As far as howdy y'all goes, hey, I lived in Mississippi for a few years. Those are going to slip out every so often. Welcome, and speaking of down south, my guest today is a guy who grew up in Kentucky. His name, you probably don't know. Ricky Lee Cobb is his name, but where you will probably know him is when he tweets He's my guest on Perk Pod.
1: Perk Pod, sometimes he's at play. Perk Pod, find out what he'll say. Perk Pod, who's coming on today? woo Perk and Pod.
0: Ricky Lee Cobb runs a wildly popular Twitter account called Super 70s Sports, which brings us to Random Ranks. This time on Random Ranks, we're ranking 11 athletes who just ooze the 1970s. Not necessarily the greatest athletes, but the ones notable enough who just scream sports during that decade. All right? Number 11, Mark Spitz. My gosh, the swimmer, the mustachioed swimmer guy was a legend. Seven golds, wasn't it? 72 Olympics, maybe 76? Number 10, Bruce Jenner. This guy was a legend in the 70s. A legend still. Number nine, Richard Petty, the mustachioed race car driver. Oh man, he had such success in the 70s. Number eight, Mercury Morris, I just love this guy's name. He was part of those unbelievable Dolphins teams from the 70s, right? With Jim Kick and Larry Zonka. What a backfield. By the way, Zonka and Kick both had mustaches. Uh, Number seven, Bob McAdoo. I used to pretend I was this guy in my front yard. Just love that name too. Guy was a boss, man. Number six, let's keep it local, Rod Carew. Such a sweet stroke. That guy could hit like nobody's business. Number five, Phil Esposito. If this guy wasn't 70s hockey, I don't know who was. Number four, the Romanian sensation, Nadia Comaneci. Are you kidding me? She was a legend back in the 70s. Billie Jean King. How about her at number three? Let's do it. Bobby Riggs. She took him down. She was so much more than those Bobby Riggs matches. though. my gosh. Number two. Man, I'll rock a pair of Pumas. I'm an Adidas guy, but Walt Frazier made Pumas cool, man. And number one, this guy was so big in the 70s, he only needs one name, Secretariat. (laughs) Have you seen video of Secretariat at the Belmont Stakes and how much that horse won by? Unbelievable. All right, it is a decade captured so wonderfully by my next guest. Ricky Lee Cobb is actually a college professor in Illinois but he's better known as the guy behind the Super 70 Sports Twitter account. If you haven't seen it, you need to. If you have, you know how unbelievably sharp-witted this guy's account is and how brilliantly he lampoons and yet celebrates that awkwardly fantastic decade. What you might not know is what it takes to make it all happen and how popular it's become. Here now, our interview with Ricky Lee Cobb. Ricky Cobb joining me now, and this is I, I got to be honest with you. I've had some guests that are just, you know, obviously ingrained in the sports world, and Ricky has kind of made his own niche in the sports world. Uh, and and I'm sort of the, I, to, to say I'm a fanboy is a little might be a little aggressive, but I I I adore the stuff you're doing online, and I'd love to just kind of get to know you and what you're all about, and and that's why I I'm so thankful that you're joining us here today, Ricky
2: hey perk it's my thrill to be here I'm excited about it uh, I know that you are often at play today you are at pod and uh, I'm excited to be a part of it man I don't know what you're gonna ask me but I'm prepared for anything
0: I guess I guess first of all where like for those that aren't familiar, with the Super Seventy Sports brand, um, it just do yourself a favor, and and I hopefully by now you've clicked on it, and and I know a lot of people have. How many followers do you have on on Twitter?
2: Uh, Four hundred seventeen thousand and change, as of today.
0: Okay, and when did you start Super Seventy Sports?
2: I created it uh, according to Twitter. I created it on Christmas Eve of twenty thirteen. But probably, I would say January 1st, 2015 is really the, what I consider to be the birth date of it. Because for the first year plus, I dabbled infrequently. I only had, you know, maybe 500 followers. Uh, in fact, between March of 2014 and uh, January 1, of 2015, I didn't even tweet it was just lying there dormant as this thing that I had started and fumbled with for about three months and then uh, abandoned. And for some reason, I, I woke up that morning and I thought to myself, am I ever going to do anything with this Twitter account? And I decided that day that at first I thought I'm going to delete it. And then I decided, well, what if I went the other way? And I tweeted a couple of things and let's see what happens. And some stuff happened.
0: Why can I tell you? I'll, I'll say, and like to <laughs> to this day, like there, there are, I follow a lot of people. I'm, I mean, I'm not one of these people that follows everybody that follows him or whatever, but I, I do follow a lot of people and a lot of people that, you know, just, just bring compelling content to the table, uh, but also that just make me have a positive vibe and and your stuff has such a high kill percentage and by that I mean like when you throw something out there it's like you're up to like 78 percent something like that where I where it's like a literal like guttural laugh for me and it's just like there are so few accounts out there or or posts out there that that allow me to do that and you're just (laughs) stuff is so consistently funny and I have no idea why it resonates with me so much other than the fact that it is just downright hilarious I mean what like when when did you realize that you were on to something I guess
2: probably I started to have some inkling maybe around the summer of 2015 because I, I can tell you in the early days I was gaining about 10 followers a day mm-hmm and I was actually kind of excited about that. I remember when I hit a 1,000 followers and I thought, well, that's cool. And I remember hitting 2,000 followers, you know, which was probably a couple of months later. And I remember I was in a Taco Bell drive through the night that I went past 3,000. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. 3,000 followers. Well, by the summer, it got up to five, six, seven. And I started to see names that I recognized liking tweets, retweeting, uh, in some cases following me. And, you know, I, I, uh, I think Rob Lowe followed me, uh, sometime around the summer of 2015. And I just remember thinking like, you know, I don't know what that means or if it means anything, but it, it definitely means that this isn't going to just be something that's only for my buddies, And so by the end of 2015, I was up to around 20,000 and Sports Illustrated featured the account in, you know, one of those garbage end of the year social media lists or whatever. And at the time that was pretty heady stuff because, you know, somebody at SI noticed and They put me in like the top 100 must-follow sports Twitter accounts or some such thing. It was the last year they did it. Uh, Maybe I broke it. But um, I think probably by the end of 2015, I realized that it was going to be something, although I still really didn't have a very good idea of what that was going to be.
0: So, so you just want you just gained absolute street cred with me the fact that you were in a Taco Bell drive through in the first place i mean that <laughs> alone that alone <laughs> scores major points Hey, we're going to take a quick pause. We'll be back with more from Ricky Lee Cobb in just a bit. But first, I want to introduce you folks to a guy that is sitting across from me right now, looking awfully dapper, by the way. (laughs) Michael Bryant, thanks so much for being here and joining us on Perkett Pod. I am glad to be here. Tell us about yourself. I I know you're obviously the Bryant of Bradshaw and Bryant. Um, Tell us
1: about Bradshaw and Bryant. Bradshaw and Bryant is the law firm that does plaintiff's personal injury, We represent people who are injured through no fault of their own and we also do criminal defense so we have a full-time criminal lawyer i've done criminal work since i started with john bradshaw back in 1991 i still do a little bit of criminal but for the most part i do plaintiff personal injury and represent lots of people in car accidents. Uh, I do a number of cases involving survivors that have been sexually abused, and then we get involved in a number of different personal injury type cases. So you're a busy guy. I try to be. You mentioned Bradshaw, not Terry Bradshaw from the Pittsburgh Steelers from,
0: from the days of <laughs> yore, right? I mean, just, <laughs> no, yeah. uh,
1: not that guy. But but what,
0: <laughs> but what about your team? How, how many how many how many are on your uh, are on your side there?
1: Well, we have two lawyers in the Minneapolis office, mm-hmm. uh, and then in St. Cloud we. have have uh there's five of us so i think total i have anywhere between seven and nine depending on how you do the math and you're a sports fan too a uh, very big sports fan i grew up in rhode island and uh i'm a diehard red sock fan no matter what and then i moved to minnesota in 1982 and got infected with you know liking the vikings <laughs> and, and and caring about the twins and and you played sports too growing up right i played hockey yeah. i was a goaltender uh, i played some juniors and i played uh, I was going to play college hockey and then found out there was a lot more to life than stopping hockey pucks. And again, where can people reach you, Mike? People can reach us at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. We uh, have a place you can comment there, and there's also a chat that pops up there. Or they can call 800-770-7008. Great chatting with you. Thanks for being a friend of Perk and Pod here, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Perk and Pod.
0: Your your account, I'm I'm curious. It's it, it's basically sports stuff from the seventies, but but I've seen a lot of stuff from the eighties, and I've seen you break, uh, you know, break mold in into a lot of other different posts as well. Um, it, but but for the most part, you're kind of centered around the seventies and. And whatnot, aren't you? Uh, Isn't that the decade that obviously with Super 70 Sports that you're zeroed in on?
2: Yeah, I I think that that's the backbone. And I don't hold myself to any formula in terms of, you know, I want to make sure that at least half the tweets are from the 70s, or I want to make sure that at least half the tweets are are from sports. But I do certainly want to make sure that I'm touching on the 70s at least every few tweets that I'm not going so far off the beaten path that I'm forgetting about sports. But the name, you know, is one of those things that, uh, again, when I created it, I didn't know that it was going to be a brand. I didn't know that there was going to be an LLC. I didn't know that there was going to be a a t-shirt store. I didn't know that there was going to be a Topps baseball card set. I didn't have any idea that any of these things were going to happen. So people ask me, why did I name it that? And the truth is... It, I was starting a Twitter account and it needed a name I probably spent about four seconds on it. <laughs> and you know the name is a little bit confining I guess for some people you know there's you, you have those uh fundamentalists who believe that if I tweet something that didn't occur between January 1st 1970 and December 31st 1979 that I've made some mistake and, you know, they like to correct me on it. I get that's not the seventies, you know, and, or sometimes you'll get, that's not the seventies you born on or whatever. And you realize that that's just somebody that has wandered along and they, they don't know the feed and, you know, they think that they're catching me in a, in a goof. But the, the truth is, is that as I, as I got, you know, further along in developing the super seventies account, You realize after a while, there is a finite amount of material from within the 1970s. Now, I've gotten a lot more mileage out of it than, you know, I might have imagined. But I started talking about movies or toys from the 70s or just the 70s uh, aesthetic Really because I needed material. So I would think of something that I thought was really funny and then it would occur to me, well, what good is this Twitter feed if I can't just riff on the things that are that are interesting to me? So I would float out a tweet kind of as a trial balloon to see, you know, how the audience accept a tweet about a movie or a Schwinn bicycle, you know, from, from when I was growing up and i found much to my delight that the audience seemed to love that stuff just as much if not more and it was wonderful for me from a creative standpoint because now i could go and i could play with all kinds of other pieces of material totally so it really opened the comedy up a lot in in my ability to to have fun with it and you know perk you do this a couple of dozen times a day which is probably about my average some days more, some days, maybe a few less. Um, you, you really appreciate having some latitude to, uh, you know, move, move about and, and address a, a lot of different things. And I think that as much as I love 70 sports, it's nice for that to be a healthy component of the feed rather than the, the whole Taco Bell enchilada, you
0: know? Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And like, you know, you, you talk about close to a half a million followers, On Twitter and and the way this is you know wax nostalgic for so many people, why do you think I guess it has resonated so much? Because you know one of the beauty things about your account is that once you post something, like some of the replies you get are absolutely hilarious also and some of the gifts that come along with that and some of the photos that come along in your reply feed and I just think it's just it's it feeds itself to a degree why why do you think that it that it has gotten to be so popular or resonated
2: well first of all you're you're absolutely right I think the community is what is a big part of what makes it so great my tweets are they're not the end they're really just an invitation for anybody who has a thought comment, their own joke to chime in. And it, it really oftentimes uh, provokes a lot of stuff. That's funnier than the, than the tweet. Frequently, <laughs> frequently, there's at least one comment, sometimes multiple comments in threads that are actually better than, than whatever I tweeted. And occasionally I'm a little jealous, you know, I'll think, ah, damn, that should have been, that should have been the tweet. But um I I, I love the sense of community, and um, this account tapped into something powerful, and I think that I had no idea that that was going to happen, and I've said before many times that it feels like we're having an informal high school reunion of sorts every day among people who may not exactly be the same age. You know, there's a range. Uh, we didn't grow up in the same uh, state, much less the same town, much less didn't we go to the same high school. But once we start talking about these things, it really brings back memories that I think are really similar for a lot of us. And it's just a cultural experience that is, I was playing with something that was really powerful and I didn't even know it. And then I would like to think that the way that I present it my style, my voice, the type of comedy that I do, I think is pretty distinctive and is different than a lot of the nostalgia that you tend to see, which there's a lot of lame nostalgia out there, you know, where you'll see a Facebook page and they'll throw up a photo of something that's familiar to us. If You, you know, if, you, if you're of a certain age and then they just say, well, you had a great childhood if you remember this well, how, how fucking lame is that? You mm-hmm. know, that that's not, you're not doing anything creative or interesting with I dropped an F bomb there. I hope that's not a problem. It's yeah.
0: okay because I'm about yeah. to read some of your tweets. And so, hey, the, no, yeah,
2: okay. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia that just gets served up and then it's like, my job is done. I showed you a picture of a lunchbox or my job is done here. Here's a, here's a, you know, a toy that you remember from the 70s or whatever. And I've tried to sort of filter it. I've had people tell me that I do nostalgia in a sort of un-nostalgic way. I don't know if I agree with that characterization, but I definitely think that I'm I'm talking about it in a way that nostalgia uh, isn't typically treated. And, you know, maybe that's part of it also. But Uh, There's certainly a a commonality, particularly, I think, if you're if you're of the age that we are where you didn't have 900 streaming options and, uh, you know, a thousand different uh, apps and so forth. When we really just had ABC, CBS, NBC, maybe you had two or three UHF channels and we were all watching the same stuff. And I think that, you know, you might not have the same kind of power 30 or 40 years from now when people are looking back on today when they're our age, because lots of times today, somebody tells me what their favorite TV show is, and I've never even heard of it. And in some cases, I've never even heard of the platform that it's on. Whereas if we're talking about Laverne and Shirley or you know happy days, or you know those yeah, shows. ABC
0: eight eight thirty. Yeah, uh, <laughs> on, exactly, on, yeah. Right? yeah, exactly. And,
2: and you know you were either watching that, or you were watching one of two or three or four other options. You know, four might be generous uh, for some of us in the seventies. So we instantly relate. You know, I didn't even I didn't even love *Laverne and Shirley* that much, but if you say the big ragu. Well, I mean, I immediately think of the guy and I've got an opinion about him and I remember him fondly. So there was something about this sort of monoculture that we had in our primitive uh, upbringings that I think makes it easier for us to relate to one another.
0: Yeah, and I think that that it does work with with sort of the, 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 the generation that grew up in the 70s, but it probably also works for a younger generation that sees the absurdity of some of the situations that we went through back then and, and some of, and and some of, but also it's also incredibly endearing at times too. I mean, just because it was so real and, and and that was the way it was. And and I think that, I think that it it can be cross generational in that regard because it's, 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 it seems to have a wide appeal.
2: Yeah, I I hope so. I I would like to think that the feed is for, everybody. And that if you scroll through the feed and you're, you know, under 30, there's going to be some references that, you know, you're probably not going to get. But as you said, some of these things, they just speak for themselves. If I throw up a photo from the 1975 J.C. Penny catalog, um, no matter how old you are, you can appreciate the the garish clothes that those uh, cats are wearing. And you, you're going to have a reaction to that. And I'm just generally a firm believer in the philosophy that funny is funny. Yep. So, you know, if the writing is good enough and the jokes are strong enough, I think that that also helps to cut through the generational barriers. More with
0: Ricky Lee Cobb when Perk Pod continues. But first, we got to take this time to chat with Sean Bernard, who is kind enough to be here with us today. Sean Bernard is as a real estate agent for Edina Realty. Kind of a rock star real estate agent, aren't you? <laughs>
1: I have fun, man. That's a, that's a reason why I'm glad that I did this partnership with you and sponsor your show. Is that we both have a similar mindset that we are going to have a good time.
0: Well, we appreciate you, you know, being a friend of, of, of Perkitt Pod and, and helping us out in so many ways. But. If you would, talk about your, your agency and and, uh, and what you're able to do as an agent.
1: Well, yeah. You know, it, it really comes down to the homework, you know, doing your homework, doing the research. And I pride myself on that. I learned a long time ago that I'm a big nerd. This time of the year, what I'm really working on is people that are planning three to six to nine months from now. Uh, if people are interested, if it's you or somebody else you know that's interested in buying or selling, give me a call at 612-859-2594. That number is also text-worthy.
0: And if you're listening to this podcast and you love music, I got a great podcast for you to listen to. It's The Brian Oak Show. Give that a listen anywhere you find your podcasts.
1: Perk and pine.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you are doing two dozen a day or thereabouts... I mean that's a lot. That's a lot of content to be cranking out. What is? It? Can I ask you what your process is? Like that—that's kind of what I'd love to know. Also, is sort of like how you come up with these. Where are you sourcing the photos? Like, do you, are you are you just doing crazy searches or just like what? How many rabbit holes are you digging down? And and then once you get a photo that is just priceless or whatever that you want to share, how do you then go about crafting the the words that go with it?
2: Well, the first thing is, is it's a lot of work. There aren't any shortcuts. If you want to produce that much content every day, there really aren't any shortcuts. Now, at this point in time, I've got a pretty extensive archive and back catalog that I can call upon, and so that that helps. I'm not having to write 24 new jokes every day. I can filter through some greatest hits, mix in new things every day, and that's kind of how the feed works. People sometimes, I think, are under the impression that I have access to photos and things that the rest of us don't, and I can assure you that that's not true. Um, I have become an expert in searching for garbage on Google. <laughs> I've told people before. I say I've got the most. I've got the most disturbing non-pornographic related browser history in, in America. There's no question about it. If you saw the things that I was searching for, just weird nuggets of information that I put into Google, because that it's fishing is really what it is. And I have learned some tricks of the trade in terms of how to bait my Google hook <laughs> to maybe find some stuff that's a, a, you know not the the kinds of images that that turn up frequently, but you know those those odd nuggets that you know you've never seen before. And of course, it's it's delightful when you find something amazing. But for every moment when you find something amazing, there are lots of moments where you are just down in the Google coal mine, you know, just shoveling. And so, the first thing I would say is is that you know you've just got to be willing to put the time in. God knows how much time I've I've put into it. Now, as far as the writing process. I'm always I'm always looking for material, always looking for material. I mean, I'm my radar is just tuned in. If I hear a turn of a phrase, if I see a commercial on TV that I think is amusing, if somebody just says something to me, sometimes I'll stop and I'll put it in the notes in my phone. I'm always present, at least most of the time, I'm present to any type of material that might uh, present itself. Nowadays, People are kind, and as the account has become more prominent, people will send me weird, random shit. And so I've sort of carved out this little uh, place for myself, where I'm the guy that people think of when they see oddball '70s or, or '80s stuff. And so when people team me up, and I and I get an email from somebody who says, "Hey, you know, here's five things that I've collected that you know maybe you can use." That, that is always a great assist for me. So I, I appreciate that. Anything that reduces the workload. As far as the writing goes, um, you know, a, a lot of the time it's photo first, sometimes video, but, you know, primarily I work with photos. It's usually photo first. And then I think of the joke. Occasionally I'll think of a joke and then I'll just need to go find a representative photo that gets the point across of, whatever it is that uh that i want to say like i remember one day i was driving along and i was remembering when i was a kid and i i love the mattel handheld electronic games yes Uh, but you know red blips is all it was but you know football basketball baseball i had i had all of them i even had soccer even though soccer was you know sort of uh the equivalent of Bigfoot in Kentucky, you know, you would see a soccer ball occasionally at, at the department store. But, uh, you know, I think I saw, saw kids playing soccer about seven times ever in my life when I was a kid uh, growing up in Kentucky, but I had that one too. And I remember, you know, they use those nine volt batteries. And when we would run out of batteries or the battery would die, you had to get one somewhere. And I would always take it out of the smoke alarm. So I was trying <laughs> I was driving along one day and I thought of a, I thought of a joke. I was like, well, you know, my, my, my family might roast in a fire tonight, but God damn it, I'm going to play Mattel football. And so I knew when I got home, I needed to find a photo of the smoke alarm to go with that tweet. So it's kind of like songwriting, (laughs) I guess, you know, sometimes people say, does the music come first? Do the lyrics come first? Um, It can go, it can go either way, you know, it really can.
0: Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, so like in hearing you say Kentucky, that 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 leads me to believe that, that that's where you're from, that's where you grew up. That's and then and then were you were you a sports fan growing up? Did you play sports growing up?
2: I was a hardcore sports fan from the age of six. I really discovered sports when I was six years old, right around the time I started first grade. I was a little farm kid, man. Like I was I liked. Trucks and farming and Tonka toys and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, when I started school, I guess my peers and whatnot, that was really that was really when it dawned on me. Oh, holy shit. You know like Baseball, the NFL, the NBA. And I was hooked. I mean, that was that was it. It, You know, as it is for millions of us. Right. That began my journey of just being a huge sports fan. And Kentucky having no professional sports teams, you know, of the big four variety, and still having none all these years later, I, I, I sort of was a free agent fan. Mm-hmm. I liked lots of different teams. And I, I don't know. I was always a bit of an odd duck in that way. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't just like the local teams or whatever were considered the local teams, which for us would have been the Cincinnati Reds and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, there really what you know maybe the Indiana Pacers, but they didn't really feel they weren't Kentucky. They didn't really feel local. So I really just became a fan of the leagues. I think more than individual teams, and certainly I had players and teams that I followed and that I liked. But um, I think that part of the reason that I sort of became this generalist, who you know now I can give you an opinion on the. Seattle Mariners of the 70s just as easily as I could give you an opinion on anything else was I came to look at sports as just this entire landscape rather than just following the local guys and I think probably that served me well.
0: Now that's that's, that's an interesting perspective um, you you seem to have like a an affinity towards old Astros if I'm right or no or J.R. Or Richard at least
2: Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. I, I actually tried to trespass in the Astrodome. Every time I go to Houston, I try to get in. I go and I try to I try to open the doors. Last time I was there a couple of years ago, I got into an auxiliary building that's connected to the Astrodome. So I'm kind of technically with an asterisk. I, I, I'm trying to count that. But
0: Listen, no, with I, an asterisk.
2: I, yeah, no, exactly. Sorry. I want to get I want to get in the Astrodome. I'm not going to rest until. Uh, until that happens i've got a few connections but then the uh then the pandemic hit i realized there's you know there's nothing in there now they took all the seats out and
0: crazy everything,
2: but i want to walk out onto the floor of the astrodome look up at that dome roof and that's that's a high item on my bucket list which is probably a very very weird fucking thing to admit
0: here's 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 what's here's what's like i'm going to put the brakes on you because like in 1976 and that's totally going to date me but like 1976 we did a family road trip i remember it well we we drove it took like two weeks but we drove from los angeles which is where i'm from and we drove all the way to see my grandparents in florida and my my parents let us each pick one place along the route. I mean, we did a lot of fun things, but like we we each got to like single out one place along the route that we wanted to visit. And I said, I have to see the Astrodome. Because like, oh, yeah. if you recall, like in, in 76 say it, or whenever it was, I mean, Astrodome, I mean, that was the height of like the, it was unbelievable. All the great events were there. It was like the state of the art. It was just like, Oh my God, this place is like a palace. A sports mecca. The sports
2: world, man. Yeah.
0: Anyway, it was just, <laughs> that's, that's what I picked. It was, I totally get it, man. Uh, my brother picked the uh, Tabasco factory in, in, in new <laughs> Iberia, Louisiana, cause he was all in the hot sauce or whatever. But anyway, um, I, so I want to, I want to, if I, if you don't mind, if you have time, I'd love to, I and mean, there's so many tweets, obviously, if you've been doing it since 2015 and you're doing a couple dozen today or whatever. I mean, but I, I just picked just for the sake of this podcast. I just, I just went back a week into the archive because there, there was enough material in the, in one week's time to just, and I know this is an audio kind of podcast obviously, and there's no ways to really show these, but like, just go to the account and you'll know what I'm talking about. But um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pull up some of my favorite tweets just from the last week, okay? Probably a dozen. And I just want to just maybe touch briefly on each one, <laughs> kind of like give people a perspective as to what I'm talking about, what we're talking about, and maybe get some insight <laughs> from you uh, and some musings. Um, so one of the first ones was it was uh, it was a couple milk cartons with some missing children on the back. And it just said, nothing like starting your morning off with a bowl of and Crunch and the crippling anxiety, you might not make it through the
1: fucking day.
2: Yeah, who decided that was a good idea? <laughs> I mean, look, nobody feels good about children being missing. I mean, it's a terrible thing, but who was the genius that decided let's just slap this on the beverage that every child in America starts their day with.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Let, good yeah, point. Let,
2: let's see if that doesn't, you know, that won't inflict any psychological scars. This
0: was, this one was, was, and this is a common theme in, in some of your posts. Um, just being a badass in general. And it was Willie Stargell and Willie McCovey sitting in a dugout and McCovey's got his leg like sprawled up and it just says pure badassery. And I, I just, I, that one, I just, I just loved And you, sometimes it's not even like, you're not even writing a big funny post. Sometimes it's just like stating the, like how cool some of this stuff is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those guys and those uniforms. Um, I mean, Willie Stargell hit two balls out of dodger stadium you know i i think john uh, carlos stanton uh joined him a few years ago in that but i mean can you imagine mm. we've gone through the steroid era how many games did barry bonds play at dodger stadium jack to the gills on horse steroids or whatever the hell he was taking he couldn't get one out of there star, <laughs> star joel who was doing it on you know yeah, uh, no beer and probably food that was high in cholesterol Uh you know the guy swung a sledgehammer in the on-deck circle for guys. That's it was a different, it was a different world, man. You you ask me, uh McCovey and Stargell. Uh those get there's nobody like that
0: in the game. The the Willies, man, and and Pops had some pop. So and then there was one the Mets 1970. This was Joe Torrey in like a leisure suit on the dance floor with with a young lady dancing and uh, looks like almost like Studio 54 or something like that. It says the Mets 1977 season was placed in jeopardy when an entire homestand was canceled after Joe Torrey tested positive for night fever.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I always like to remind people that, you know, we're going to get through COVID. We got through we got through night fever. You know, Torrey was vaccinated. The Mets got their season uh, back on the rails, although I'm sure they they sucked. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, just the thought of Joe Torrey out there. Joe Torrey is one of my uh, surprise favorite recurring characters because Torrey's got such a such a look, <laughs> you know, and uh, to see Joe Torrey out there, you know, uh, dressed to the nines uh, shaking it on the dance floor with the ladies just makes me happy there's
0: there's just so many here i i so i I do want to just touch on a few more there's one and and this one clearly started with the with the photo probably but it was uh it's a a photo of uh, an australian rules football player who just looks like bug-eyed and just crazy and it says suddenly regretting i didn't collect australian rules football cards in the 80s did all the players look like neil young tripping balls
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's one that people need need to see to probably fully appreciate. But yeah, oh that God. guy that guy looks like he is in the middle of an interesting trip, <laughs> and I would not I would not want to screw with that guy either. You know what I mean? Like one oh. of those one of those Aussies that would just as soon rip your head off as look at you. So yeah, you know it's just so funny to me that I, in the '70s and '80s there were just so many things going on that were unironically funny we try too hard nowadays, but in the seventies and eighties, everybody's so self-aware now yeah. you know, and everybody's so cool and, you know, successful athletes view themselves as brands. And I understand why they do that. It does make economic sense. Now that everybody's got a cell phone and whatever guys are so careful about what they do and what they say and, and, and all of these kinds of things. But, you know that guy just showed up for photo day with his hair crazy. You know, just looking like he's in the middle of some peyote trip. And hey, it's photo day, baby.
0: Oh my God! Oh, there's one nobody of
2: uh... nobody in a million years would show up for 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 an event. He's in uniform for God's sake.
0: <laughs> you know. Oh, there's uh, Fred Bolitnikoff's helmet afforded him only slightly more protection than putting a colander on his head. And that's another one. Some of these, sometimes you touch on these, these, uh, these old 1970s, just how flimsy some of the equipment was and, and calling them uh, popcorn bowls or nacho helmets. And it's just, oh my God, um, the, the, there's one of the Ferris Bueller cast and it says, throw up a hand. If you've ever spent a substantial portion of Ferris Bueller's day off thinking, fuck, I want that Gordy Howe Jersey. Um, And again, and and this is just like, uh, these are just, they're just priceless and, and it's, and, and they ring so true. And again, that was one that you kind of veered off into pop culture and, and it has, you've expanded the brand that way. But here's another one, Tony Franklin, barefooted kicker from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, back in the seventies. And, and it said in 1979, the Eagles, Tony Franklin kicked a 59 yard field goal. Experts now believe it would have been good from at least 80 if he'd worn, or if he'd had the presence of mind to wear a shoe, like a normal fucking person. And to me, Ricky is like, what, what makes, <laughs> what makes some of these really funny are that the, the comedy's gold, but, but you use, you use curse words very in a very effective manner you, you sometimes and they're not gratuitous they're they're actually they just and sometimes they really enhance I don't know how else to put it that just do you think that
2: yeah I I definitely think that and and I don't I never curse for the sake of cursing you know that's one of the things that people ask me about somebody asked me recently I was doing an interview and, and the guy said you know how do you decide when you're going to curse and I said I don't I just caption the tweet. And if that includes cursing, because that seems like the way to say what I'm trying to say, then I use it. And if it doesn't, you know, I don't go back through and look at a tweet and think, oh, you know, that one doesn't have a motherfucker in it. So I'll rewrite it and add that. I, I tweet like I talk. So, you know, particularly if, you know, we're just hanging out. Somewhere having a drink, watching a game. If we were at a game together, I, I tweet the way that I talk to my friends. Maybe the dial is turned, you know, one or two notches to the right, but I I tweeted my own voice. And I'm, I'm so glad that I've had the opportunity to do that because I think as much as anything, the one thing about it is, is I'm my own boss. So, you know, the only person's sensibilities I have to appeal to are my own. And I'm grateful for that because it has, you know, totally freed me up to just say whatever I want, however I want. And this just happens to, to be my voice. I I have been I've been cursing, believe me, many 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 years uh, before I ever knew what Twitter was. So I finally had a medium where uh, I, I just spoke like myself. And you know, some people criticize me for it, but I think for the most part you know the people that follow the account understand what i'm doing
0: the, the there's two more if you don't mind uh, there's there's one of of james spader clearly from pretty in pink i believe um, with wearing dark aviators and a cigarette an unsmoken cigarette just dangling from his mouth um, and it, it just says i just consulted with 80s james spader and he thinks you're a bitch <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I love it. Spader was like, just army, <laughs> I literally just ripped the headphones out of my ears. army villainous uh, guy. And Of course, that lines from Pretty in Pink, and uh, yeah, oh it, it's 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 just it, it captures. I think if I can if I can pat myself on the back, that tweet just kind of captures James Spader's vibe, right? Mm. If you if you remember Spader, uh, th- that that's how it was.
0: Oh, my God, there's there's one. And this one, I can't, I don't know where you found this photo, um, nor do I probably want to know. But it, it's uh, it's Marvin Gaye and Jesse Jackson, Reverend Jackson, um, playing basketball one on one or something. <laughs> sorry. And uh, Marvin Gaye's got a headband on and, and Jesse Jackson's going up for a shot. And Marvin Gaye looks like he's about to to block the shot. And it just says Marvin Gaye's is about to inform Jesse Jackson that what's going on in this. We- uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry that what's going on is this week shit's about to get rejected it's just like uh this is you get the song title in there you you get the get the humor in there and you get the (laughs) it's clearly what's about to happen too he's about to get swatted but it's just like oh my god so good
2: i've learned to love any photo that puts together two characters that you might not necessarily expect you know would be together there's a there's uh, another one that I can think of uh, is Alice Cooper and Colonel Sanders. <laughs> and, you know, that's, if you, can't, if, if you can't get at least, with the audience my size, if you can't get at least 1,500 or 2,000 likes with a photo of Alice Cooper and Colonel Sanders that you're just doing wrong. Uh, you know, the best photos, my job as much as anything is just don't get in the way of the photo. Uh, you know, sometimes though I can take things like I got, I don't know, five or maybe six or 7,000 likes on just, uh, just a, uh, a bowl of tater tots a few weeks ago, you know, so sometimes it's fun to see what you can do with something that's just ordinary. If you can give it some kind of spin that resonates with people and you can take something that just seems as innocuous as, you know, um, a cup of pencil sitting on your desk and find something in that that fascinates people, that that's a fun challenge sometimes. But, you know, the flip side of that is, is if you've got a photo of Marvin Gaye getting ready to go up, block Jesse Jackson shit, you know, the number one thing, I'm glad that I got the what's going on in there. I, I did like that caption, but right. my number one job is, is just don't detract. With the caption, because that was going to do well no matter what, as long as <laughs> I just didn't blow it, you know?
0: Right. Oh my gosh. Uh, Ricky Lee Cobb again is his name, folks. And and the account is Super 70s Sports on Twitter. Um, and and you you mentioned you sell t shirts too. Is is that is, is, and folks can find that where?
2: Super 70s Sports Store.com is the home of the. The uh, ever increasing and expanding uh, inventory of pop culture and sports related shirts. There's a lot of stuff. If you're if you are a child of the 70s or 80s, and you just love that aesthetic, uh, you're going to find tons of stuff there. But we've got stuff from the 90s and and, and even on into the even on into the 21st uh, century as well. I think we have something like seven or eight hundred different designs and we're constantly adding to it. And I always tell people that if you go there and, and you look around the store, I can't promise that you're going to buy something, but I will absolutely see to it with, uh, with the stock that we have that you will experience serious temptation if nothing else. <laughs> and I would also like to think that you'll find some things in that store uh, that you'll think to yourself, oh my God, I can't believe somebody actually made a t-shirt of that. Right. We, we, play, we play some deep cuts as well.
0: That's awesome, man, uh, Ricky. Thank you so much for your time and, and so much for you know, kind of like letting us behind the curtain of this account that is uh, that has brought so much humor into so many people's lives and and just and kind of just made people feel good. I just think that's a that's a pretty good gig if you can get it, and uh, I applaud you for that.
2: Well, thank you. You know, I I realize that you know we're not curing cancer here or anything like that, but I would like to think that to the extent that it has has an impact or leaves an impression with people that it's positive, even if that is just giving people a smile three or four times a day or a laugh uh, when when they can use one. And you know, over the course of this past year, I think we've all been in a place where where you know we could certainly appreciate all the laughs that we can get because it's been a rough time. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's a blessing to be able to do this for starters to have wandered into this. Um, sort of Willy Wonka style 70s playground that I that I've created for myself, and I've I made so many friends, um, you know. And it 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 just means a lot to me, you know. When people say to me, "Hey, I really enjoy this," because you know, you'd like to think that to the extent that it, it matters, that at least it's moving the needle one percent in a positive direction. And Twitter is such a cesspool. I forget sometimes how how true that is because i'm so focused on what i'm doing and you know people talk about the account and sometimes i think to myself gosh you know it's like i don't think that i really maybe i don't deserve quite this much you know positive mojo and then i look at the rest of twitter and i'm reminded why why people like it but uh i really appreciate you having me on perk you asked you asked some really good questions it's fun for me to talk about the creative process which is something that uh, I don't necessarily get to do a lot, so uh, I, I not only appreciate coming on today and being your guest, but uh, I really enjoyed the questions that you asked as well.
0: Awesome, dude! Thank you so much. It was great, to, great to get to know you a little bit, and uh, and continued success and 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 happiness. That'll do it for this episode of Perkitt Pod. We want to thank our partners, Audio Wiz, Justin Bailey, theme song by Taylor Robert. Keep listening weekly for another episode with Minnesota sports influencers and icons on Perket Pod. Feel free to share this podcast. Give us a simple subscribe click. It doesn't cost you a thing. Heart us, rate us, double tap us, whatever you want. And until next time, remember, shine bright, don't be afraid to be weird, and open your hearts to inclusion. Peace.
1: Perk Pod, sometimes he's at play. Perk Pod, find out what he'll say. Perk and Pine, who's coming on today? Perk and Pine.